0: You're listening
1: to a Roddenberry Podcast. Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp, a Roddenberry Star Trek Podcast. Join us on our continuing mission to explore intersectional diversity in infinite combinations. My name's Jira and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Sue. Hello. And Kennedy. (laughs) Evening. And before we get into our main topic, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Our show is made possible by our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join us there and check out some of our patron exclusive rewards, contents, and polls, visit patreon.com/slash women at warp. And thanks to all of you who already support us on Patreon. One of the things we have coming up this coming month in October is that existing patrons will get the opportunity to vote on our programming for November. We have three episodes set to be released in November. So if you're a patron, uh, make sure to check out our patron page for those polls. And if you're not already a patron, it's not too late to sign up and have a say in our programming topics. And a huge thanks again to to um, our existing patrons. We really couldn't do this without you. Um, another way you can support our show is by going to our T Public store. We have new designs based on things like our, you know, telling people to put it on TV, you cowards, and <laughs> you know, some lower decks inspired things. Um, Grace has designed some shirts. There's podcast logos and and stuff from our um, Infinite Diversity and Infinite Combinations Podcasting Festival. So uh head on over to tpublic.com/slash stores slash women at warp. So uh this episode is brought to you by Text Expander. More about them later. Our topic for today is a patron request. Speaking of patrons having a say in our programming, and I, I really like this one. This is from Donna. Thank you, Donna. And this uh request is for us to speculate on the differences of the mirror and the prime universes that we don't really see in the show. So, for instance, Donna writes, we know about Mirror being a little more sexually free and expressive, as well as more cutthroat. Do we have anything on education practices, family units, etc.? Also, I know some people understand the history of the Mirror Universe, but I'm not as familiar and would like to know more. So, I will start by saying that if you want to hear us talk about Mirror Universe on-screen stuff... We did an episode a while back now, so we'll, we'll probably, I'm sure, verge into the on-screen stuff as well in, in this episode, but called Ripped in Machiavellian. Mm-hmm. and Machiavellian. Uh, and so you can take uh, a listen back to that episode. And we've also talked about this episode in some other contexts, most recently in the kink episode and uh, in some of our episodes on queerness in, in Trek that and sex in Star Trek because of the whole you know, why, why are there bi people in the the mirror universe, but not in the prime universe kind of discussion? A little bit of a shame.
0: Well, until recently, we now have seven and we now have Mariner. Yes, is what I mean by recently, like the last three months recently. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we were just talking actually, before we started recording about the history of the mirror universe. And it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to be too exact, because there is some contradictory information in beta canon, for sure. And what is in prime canon has been retconned a bit. And so I think it's possible to take it a couple different ways. But we're gonna do the best we can on that. And um, I think that overall, there's still some interesting Kind of principles we can draw into to to speculate on, like what does society look like outside of, you know, the struggle for for power at Giorgio's court or the, you know, harem of Intendant Kira.
0: Yeah. So since this request started out as one to understand the history of the Mirror Universe, maybe we can give a a super brief timeline at least of what we see or are told on screen. Yeah.
2: Even that gets a little hairy because some things were retconned and they make sense, you know, in the retconning. But so for instance, you know, I'm a big fan of, of watching six episodes in series that have like, have, have sequence, but aren't necessarily aired in time. So for example, the unification story, right. If we Mm -hmm. can go back and watch unification one, unification two, and then Unification 3 on Disco, in that order, and it would still, you know, tell that particular story. And to do so, in the Mirror Universe, you kind of get to do some jumping around, if you, if you take everything at, at face value. Obviously, we know NX and, and Archer and them take place chronologically before those old scientists, <laughs> uh, COS, and obviously so does Discovery. But the Tholian Web, where, where Kirk goes, gets lost in, in that void of space and the Defiant is lost. We don't know what happens to it. In Enterprise, they established that the Defiant went back in time a 100 years and apparently crossed the threshold, pierced the veil, if you will, between mm-hmm. our universe and our mirror universe or the, where the one where the Terrans come, in, come into power. So you could start watching it. From the Tholian web, and then watch chronologically. It would be the Tholian web, then in a Mirror, Darkly, parts one and two, then all the Disco Teran storylines, then Mirror, Mirror, and it goes back. You know, from there on out, which is cool from like a collection standpoint, right? It's neat to be able to be like, I get to jump around and follow the story, even though it doesn't follow a concept of linear time. But as we mentioned, it makes it difficult to determine an origin point. It makes it difficult to determine. Whether or not it's a piece of our universe that just developed, or whether it's its own separate thing, or or, or any of that, but I enjoy watching it that way. I like doing it chronologically. I don't know about, about you, good folks,
0: right? But I'm I'm talking when I say timeline, I mean like super high level timeline. Like we've got the Terran Empire in the time of Enterprise. We've got the Terran Empire in the time of the original series, and then when when Kirk leaves Spock at the end of Mirror Mirror. Spock works his way to become the head of the Terran Empire and implements the reforms he gets from Kirk, or, or the ideas for the reforms he gets from Kirk, which leaves the Terran Empire essentially soft, so that they're unprepared to fight against the Klingon-Cardassian alliance, which calls the, causes the Empire to fall so that Terrans and Vulcans become subjugated by the time we get to DS9. That is an extremely succinct
1: timeline, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I mean that is that's really like I would say the most exact we can get based on what's on screen. Like there are definitely more more facts that are thrown out. Yeah. Like Archer talks about the Terran Empire existed centuries before 2155, I think, which would mean that if it's a separate thing, it's either a totally separate from our prime universe, but linked in some way, like both as kind of a moral antithesis although it's definitely not ex- an exact opposite but um and you know having all the same people or it's already branched so like the you know the day that we are in today in September of 2021 we're not you know potentially in the the universe that is going to become the Ter- Terran Empire
0: right so the the little easter egg that is in the part two of In a Mirror Darkly, or I guess it's both parts. It's in the the opening to Enterprise. They show the moon landing, which for the prime universe is 1969. And you've got your astronaut in a different spacesuit, one that we've seen used in the mid 22nd century, planting a Terran flag on the moon. So either, you know, we can assume by from that, that if it is diverged, it's diverged by 1969. But also perhaps in the mirror universe, because that's a EV suit that we see on screen, maybe that moon landing happened much later, because that world would be focused on the wars happening on the surface.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And I totally forgot that. One fun fact is that the continents in the Terran Empire symbol change over time in like depending on the series. Um, so the symbol in Enterprise shows all of the Earth's continents, but later shows only the continents of the Western Hemisphere, which I feel like is astute for a fascist <laughs> regime. Although I mean, I guess technically, it should just be like North America and Europe. But then the disco version literally mirrors the continents. And also has an inverted delta behind the globe. So it's, I don't know if like we're, if on, on disco earth, or like the mirror earth in the disco verse, the continents are literally mirrored. I feel like we kind of hit the kind of major points. Although, I mean, I guess some other key points in the timeline that we do see on screen is we see Cochrane shoot the Vulcan emissary. That's obviously like a a clear point that influenced the development of that universe compared to our own and how we ended up having, you know, Terrans in charge and Vulcans being subjugated, which we see in Enterprise. And then we have the whole like resistance that we see in. Deep Space Nine with the Terran resistance trying to take back Terok Nor from the Alliance.
2: Well, that resistance, I thought she meant the resistance that was formed in the Discovery era against the oh, Terrans. Oh, right, that yes. one too. Yeah, because that was, that was when the Vulcans, Klingons, and the Andorians and the Tellarites all were like, screw this. <laughs> These human animals are mean.
0: <laughs> the Vulcans, though, are part of the Terran Empire yeah
1: but they're subjugated.
0: Okay. Yeah, so so Serik is sort of like a defector. Right. Situation. Jerry, you brought up the the Zephram Cochrane first contact incident, and I I think what is so unique about that scene is that it's something that we see in Star Trek, a moment that we see on screen in both of the prime and the mirror universes. Mm -hmm. Whether these universes diverge or are just closely parallel with so many similarities, that shows us how one action can lead to a bigger divergence. Yeah, Right? Because we've got – there's – I mean, there are multiple ways that first contact could have gone, but there are two main ways, which are well and not so great. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. and Star Trek shows us – the, the incidents, and what happens from either one of those two main
2: options? One thing I think is important to keep in mind is, geez, I don't know the name of the theory per se, but there's a theory regarding parallel universes where the same parts essentially can exist in different situations, mm-hmm. but it is in fact the same parts. And there's, a, there's the theory that you know all of our decisions can splinter off a million different universes in infinite different directions because of you know the causality and stuff so is this separate universe of ours or was it the in was it first contact that started the terrans my theory is that it was its own thing right and it's mm-hmm. just involving parts that are comparable if not the very same biologically speaking to parts in in this universe as we know it it's just inclined to do things in an, in an opposite way
0: i i think what supports that theory is what we have learned in discovery about the mirror universe because we find out about the the light sensitivity and we find out about like the the differences at the quantum level which is why right giorgio has such issues in the future right spoilers um <laughs> <laughs> because with they carl tells us right that those that these two universes are similar but they're moving farther apart from each other as time progresses
2: yeah it's almost like a, a binary star system loses cohesion right and instead of their the stars having a mutual gravitational pull to keep them orbiting each other and all of their satellites orbiting them as a unit as opposed to individually it's like that—that that gravimetric pull being severed, and one of those stars spitting off into oblivion, and taking its satellites with it. I mean, I imagine in that department things would kind of fall apart cosmically. But we see that as far as how Georgio starts to adjust to being not only removed from her own universe, but thrown so far into time as well. As as much as I, I mean, you all know me. As much as I have a disdain for Emperor Joe, them explaining her quantum troubles in that way was really deeply satisfying for me in that astrophysics quantum physics nerd part of my soul.
0: Can I tell you how much I love that you used a science metaphor to explain a storytelling (laughs)
2: situation? (laughs) What do you mean? I mean, it's
0: tracks. (laughs) It's just usually the other way around. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, I mean, it, if one, because I mean, the theory of parallel universes is just that, right? There's no proof or or anything. All, all quantum scientists can can agree upon is that you know it uh, it exists and doesn't until we can prove it, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So until we know for sure that there is in fact not just one parallel universe, but probably several that that have components of ourselves and and images of ourselves and reflections of ourselves and across all these platforms. That, you know, some of them might be a polar opposite. Some of them might be, you know, slightly different. Some of them might be precisely the same. We're just green, you know, not to go out of universe. But DC had a great animated movie uh, adaptation of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Owlman gets into like a, a tangent talking about how on this earth, you know, we never developed because, you know, there was never a multi organism that developed strongly enough for us to climb out of the soup. In this universe, you know, uh, the Gorn takeover, whatever. Like he laid down all of these different examples of the true meaning of what an alternate parallel existence is. So for Giorgio, to bring it back, (laughs) to have not only existed in a different universe, right? A different frame of relativity. For her to not only pierce the veil of space, but also to pierce the veil of time as well. I I'm just really glad that she started to degrade on a quantum level and not something corny like I don't know, her getting like <sighs> some other like surface level physical ailment to course to to relay that.
1: Like turning into like Troy and man of the people with the skunk hair and rapid aging thing. Yeah,
2: you know what I mean? If <laughs> if she had suddenly gotten I mean, the whole terraphila thing was her, like, growing... And her heart grew ten sizes that day. Um, so mm-hmm. we do see that she has character development, right? And that Terrans mm-hmm. are capable of not being complete jerkwads their entire lives. But to see it happen to the point where she looked like she was actually glitching is like, hell yeah, let's go. That tells me that whoever did that has done their homework when it comes to quantum existences. Yeah, that's super interesting. Go back in my nerd bag now. <laughs>
1: I love it. I did just want to say that, that, you know, so we do have gaps because there was no on-screen Mirror Universe stuff for TNG or for Voyager, and we, apparently Michael Piller and Rick Berman did like, there was some discussion about doing a Mirror Universe TNG episode, but they were just afraid of, like, messing it up and not getting, they didn't get, like, what is the angle on TNG in the Mirror Universe? So... If we want to find out what happened in TNG or Voyager, like the only thing we have to go on is our own imaginations or beta canon. But even in beta canon, there's like a couple of dramatically different takes on the on TNG. One which is awesome is Diane Duane's Dark Mirror, um, but it was written pre DS9, so it assumes like the Terran universe is roughly still going pretty strong, but like maybe slightly reformed. But then there's the IDW comics, which are newer. They both have totally kind of different takes on where the universe is at and even what the characters are doing. Notably, my, I really like in Dark Mirror, Troy is like the, the head of security and she's the one doing all the like torturing and interrogating, but like being super manipulative about it because of her empathic abilities. Nope. Um, versus in, nope. in the comics where she's the like the captain's woman, and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. I don't that. like any
2: parts <laughs> of that. I don't want no <laughs> parts of a sadistic, torturous betazoid No, thank you. Especially if she's half tavern. Nope. Return to sender.
0: <laughs> I've never fully understood that take with Troy because, like, they're they're saying she can be. And uh, like the this extra great Inquisitor because she is an empath when there are actual Betazoids around, perhaps. Yeah. I z- mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> Well Whatever. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's no psychology practices on beta z,
1: right? <laughs> there's also a dolphin ensign, so we're Yeah, yeah but we are, love this book. <laughs> there are also
0: two more books, I think it's two, called Dark Passions, which oh, yes. are Written after the DS9 episodes
1: and are super queer, super queer, but like queer coded, yeah, or maybe not a 100- hundred only coded.
0: Not but, I. I yes. think it's not only coded, but it's mostly coded. Anyway, <laughs> it's it's been quite a while since I read them. They're about two feet from me
1: though. Nice. But in those books, we learn that the Bajorans and Trill had separate empires until Earth conquered them. Mm -hmm. Gosh, we are such jerks.
0: Like... (laughs) Essentially, the point is that every time we head into the Mirror Universe in the TNG era, there is a different story around it. (laughs) There's a different timeline happening.
2: It always assumed that yesterday's Enterprise was kind of akin to... Like, I I, I mean, I know it didn't officially take place in the mirror universe, but I was always like, this is definitely this is this is playing with time and space. And I, I kind of like it, but I can never really like sink my teeth into it because Tasha
0: mm-hmm. and I get so sad. If there's one, there's many, right? Mm-hmm. If If there are many different parallel universes close to ours, there are also many different parallel universes close to the mirror universe. Right. Right. So maybe each time. That we follow the the TNG crew into the mirror universe. It's really a mirror universe. Right.
2: And mm-hmm. they're all
0: real. Just like yester- yesterday's Enterprise. Maybe that's another mirror universe. We don't know.
2: Right. It makes sense. It's been a minute since I've seen yesterday's Enterprise. So I, I, I'm i going to probably go out, pop that in after this. <laughs> <laughs> because now I'm c- curious.
0: But if we're talking about like the, the structures outside of what we see on screen, th- that's a lot of speculation for us to do. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because this was in in the 1960s this was never devised as anything to last more than one episode to teach us a moral story about
1: how fascism is bad.
2: Little did we know. <laughs> some people are into that stuff.
1: Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a bit was um like family and social structure. I it strikes me as that a lot of the speculation we can do will be based on how does fascism work in our actual world. And then extrapolating that into like a Star Trek universe and saying like, if this was more fascist, what, a, what would it look like? And like way more, you know, cutthroat, like a less a much less compassionate society than we see in, in the 24th century Star Trek um, or even, you know, earlier Star Trek. But one of the things that is interesting to me is that in our world fascist societies tend to actually have more restrictive gender and sexuality roles and like less tolerance for you know maybe like types of like sexualities outside a norm because a a lot like often what goes with fascism is like racial purity and like family structure purity and so it is interesting to me that in the more recent iterations of the Mirror Universe in Star Trek, we see, like, actually more opportunities for women to gain power, not just through being the captain's woman. Like, in Mirror Mirror, to me, that is more of, like, a classic fascist society that there there are, like, w- really limited options for women to get ahead. And, like, in, same with In a Mirror Darkly. So it's interesting to me that that Star Trek has, I think, as they've had more, like, diverse characters in the Prime Universe, they're, they're, like, trying to figure out how these characters fit into a Mirror Universe. But somehow this Mirror Universe has managed to be both fascist and diverse.
0: <laughs> well, even in Mirror Mirror, we see Uhura using her sexuality, mm-hmm. right, to, to gain power. Yeah. Which is, as you mentioned, would be based on what we see – in our world, atypical, let's say, (laughs) for a fascist regime, because there likely wouldn't have been women around at all.
2: True, but we're also framing fascism from a very heteronormative, Christian-centered perspective, right? Like, when Jarrah was talking about racial purity and family structures and stuff, that's all coming through the lens of somebody who presumes that, you know, the only way to be is a, you know, European cishet person, preferably male in, in in this universe, in our in in prime Earth, and even that seems a bit big-headed, isn't it? Who do we have? We know we're prime in on this planet, right? That's what we are accustomed to thinking of as fascism. In the
1: best universe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but who's to say I think in the Terran universe specifically, the fascism correlates to anything that isn't human i think disco did a really good job i know i keep going back to that but they did a really good job of of making that clear that yeah they were you know conniving and manipulative amongst themselves and each other but they all unanimously like no matter how much disdain they might have had for another human being for whatever reason they could all agree that there was more disdain for people who weren't human so their Mm -hmm. their Mm one-sidedness became less about inner inner species issues and more as opposed to extra species issues
1: yeah that makes sense i think like where i'm or what i'm looking at or you know coming from a bit on this is you know when uh so the mirror universe idea was uh created by jerome bixby and i believe actually was originally created was going to be it was part of the original concept for city on the edge of forever but then Roddenberry brought in the idea of of the Terrans as essentially a fascist military power, and my sense is that where like the influences he was drawing from in Mirror Mirror, um, so obviously things have have changed a lot since then, but probably what like he was looking at, and you can see things like we see like their sort of versions of Nazi salutes in the Terran yeah, Empire and the boots, yeah, the boots. Like there's a lot of of stuff to do with um Nazism and also. Like Asian uh, military World War II powers because we have like the collars on Spock, Mirror Spock's outfit and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and so there's been critiques about like Orientalism in this representation and you know casting Asians as as evil by this kind of like visual association of these like kind of cultural symbols with like and the evil the evil twin, yeah. So I think. I just found it interesting that we have kind of, I think this different way of looking at a universe by the time we get to disco than we did right. in like the much more heavily kind of world war II influenced era. True. <laughs> but like, we only really see Ben and Jennifer, or I think as a married couple, the-, the Cisco's, although yes, they're like, I mean, split up couple. And then, so, like, how do kids survive to adulthood? And this also ties to education. Like, how do you become the scientist, Jennifer Sisko?
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I don't even know if kids really have a high survival rate. You know, when you think about the atrocities that our human beings are capable of, like, I can only imagine what those jerkwads will be doing to kids, you know? Um, so it just makes me wonder how many kids actually... Are, are, are ruthless enough to survive adulthood.
0: I was always under the impression that if a, a kid showed a special aptitude, like somebody in the military or the government would be given notice, and then maybe that kid would be pulled out and given special attention. You know, s- sort of – that's what I assumed for, for Jennifer Sisko. That's what I assumed – actually that i'm i'm thinking about it now i'm thinking about parallels with the emerald chain right because that's what i yeah. assume about aurelio in the emerald mm-hmm. chain so that you know maybe every kid goes to military school with the assumption that they will join this regime and anybody who who has an aptitude for for science or medicine or weaponry or whatever is is sent to to special training yeah
1: that's interesting the other way that it could work is that you survive as a child by being useful so mm-hmm. if you are so if, like you know we know that there's this is a strat a very stratified society so if your family is rich enough that they want some kids to carry on their legacy we know like there is you know passing people want to pass down their like family names and have their people succeed them in their positions and um, we see that in the way that the Empire works, although usually people just end up getting stabbed before their their, uh, successors can take over. Right. But so that would be one way is like, if your family has enough resources to devote to your education and training in on the understanding that you will protect them as they age and potentially take over for them, carry on their legacy. And, you know, perhaps kids that don't have that kind of usefulness to well, like aren't, you know, belonging to like wealthier, more powerful families are able to either like, you know, kind of just make it through like laboring and maybe getting noticed and getting given some special attention. But I I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense, Sue, I just don't know, like, who would who pays for school in a society that doesn't like, how does I'm just, how does the economics of this work? If the society is. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, it is like, it is just, it would just be military school.
0: Thinking about it more now, right. There's certainly, I, I think if I try and expand that idea out, there's certainly a, an element of privilege that's going to come into it.
2: I was going to say, cause I don't see all those kids i Just see a whole lot of orphans and stuff.
0: It's the kids, I think, who are like on Earth, presumably with mm-hmm. the people living on Earth being the the rich or the important or the the highly statused people in the society in the Terran Empire, right? That those are the kids who would end up going to this military school. Because we also hear from Georgio that she picked Michael out of a trash heap, right? Right. So the the farther you get away from the center of the Empire. The worst things are going to get,
2: right, and it also kind of lends to you know your theories, both of your theories about being born into an, an affluent family, right? The Burnhams were scientists, they were highly ranked in our in our universe, they weren't Starfleet, but you know they were still people of of interest, so who's to say that in the Terran universe, you know Michael's parents were killed and she was left to fend for herself and without having somebody like Sarek and Amanda to look after her, left her accessible to a monster like Georgiou. I said it, monster.
1: (laughs) You know, clearly there would be some interest in funding some like science education and some things like that. They also need to somehow have a food supply. I don't think we really see a lot of like replicating happen in the original series discovery era of uh, Mirror Universe times, but maybe I'm just forgetting. Maybe they discover a replicator, but either way, like, they're going to need – there's going to be, like, basic resources they need, and they'll need people to, like, mine and farm and build ships. So they'll. The, there has to be, like, a, an economy and an education system around that. It's true. Oh, I can
2: only – I can only imagine – because human beings are pretty terrible as it is. I mean there's obviously some gems like you good folks. But like, you know what I mean generally, we're capable of some pretty horrendous things. So, when I think about education and family structure and economy in the Terran universe, it just I feel so bad for people that don't even exist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, thinking about like family structure and and marriage and stuff though too. Like I guess, you know, A counter to my point earlier about, like, maybe, you know, potentially having more rigid family structures. Like, another Western historical example that I'm sure Roddenberry was aware of and probably partly influenced why it would have been, like, the Roman Empire. And in, like, ancient Rome, divorce was very easy to procure and not at all uncommon there like there were still you know social norms but there was a lot more like hedonism as part of the culture of of the ruling class so i think that you can kind of see some of those influences and that might mean that like you know it's you you might get married and you might want to have kids to protect your legacy but you definitely don't actually trust that this plan is going to for sure work out because people are just going to stab you in the back <laughs>
0: Well, there's also the possibility of, I can't think of a better phrase than doing these things for, for show. Like marrying oh, yeah. who you're supposed Pageant. to marry, having the kids. Yeah. Yes. Pageantry. But then, mm-hmm. then going and, and having whatever relationships you want on the side. And it's just mm-hmm. what's done, you know? Yeah.
1: One of my favorite things in beta canon is, and I haven't actually read the, the, it's like part of the, the, the mirror universe number one novel is the age of the empress story which I found out Hoshi marries Mira Hoshi marries Mira Shran (laughs) and then Mira Shran betrays her to aid the rebels and take over the empire and apparently it's pretty great it is on my list now and then like there's a whole thing where I think T'Pol saves the deposed empress and they end up making some kind of alliance at any rate I'm very into thinking about Mira Shran
0: (laughs) I mean, as we're talking about the education system, I just keep thinking that they have to, to pump enough kids through it to get more officers into the fleet. Because, like, based on what we see on screen, tens of people are dying every day. Right, <laughs> that that wouldn't other are being murdered every day. I should say that wouldn't otherwise be dying.
2: I wonder if some of the lower wage, if there even is a wage, like you know the the harder labor jobs are regulated to people who aren't Karen, right? Maybe that's mm-hmm. for the tellerites and for the Denobulans to deal with.
0: Yeah, I was wondering as we're, we're going through and talking about empires and economies and who's doing this labor. Is the Terran Empire enslaving people?
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. And eating some of their slaves, apparently. Yeah.
0: I mean, they certainly are, but in in Georgios time, we see it on screen.
1: Well, we also see in the, like, and so it's not the Terran Empire, but in the Klingon-Cardassian alliance, we see they have, like, basically the Terok-Nor system where they have people laboring for them the same way the Cardassians had the Bajorans' labor Mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. But – I think there also does have to be a pay system though. I think there are some people that are getting paid because I I don't get the impression it is as much a post scarcity society as the federation. No. And so you know there has to be a degree to which people are allocated either allocated resources in exchange for labor or allocated money to purchase resources in exchange for labor because otherwise like why there wouldn't be kids on trash heaps like no i don't know i think that they have to be there either has to be a currency-based economic system or a like a resource-based economic system that like if you do this job you get this house and you get this allocation of like food well
0: speaking of getting paid i think it's time for a word from text expander (laughs) oh good call (laughs) all right You've heard us say it before. We want you to get it right every time with Text Expander. Text Expander makes it easy to give your team the right words for every situation. Whether you need to keep your team happy or delight customers with effective answers, you can rest easy knowing your team has it covered. Now, with improved web app security to keep your content protected. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current. Share your text and images with the whole staff to keep on track so everyone shares the same message and gives the same answers to customer questions. Use text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything you type. Create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type is a short abbreviation and Text Expander does the rest. Keep your whole team communicating efficiently and with consistent language. Share your snippets of messaging, signatures, and descriptions with everyone who works on projects with you.
1: Imagine if they had text expander when they were writing the Mirror Universe canon, and they had just been able to be like, what, what time are we in now? And then all of the people could have used it and just kept everything consistent, and then this show <laughs> would be so much easier –
0: just type mirror timeline and get it expanded right in your document. <laughs> <laughs> Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, iPad. Show listeners get 20% off their first year. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. And if you decide to sign up, make sure you choose Women at Work from the dropdown so they know we sent ya.
1: So another thing about speculating about the mirror universe that I was interested in is arts and culture as something we don't really see on screen. In In Dark Mirror, in the Diane Dwayne novel, there is a – Picard discovers the ending of Merchant of Venice is drastically different in that Shylock is awarded and accepts the pound of flesh. He also discovers differences in mythology with the events of the Iliad having changed, And he also finds that Serac of Vulcan didn't exist in the mirror universe. But this got me thinking, I was going like, what does 21st century pop culture look like in the mirror universe? (laughs) So we know about Shakespeare, we know about mythology, but like, is there a, you know, is there a mirror? Like, is all TV in the mirror universe just basically shows like anti-hero centric shows like game of thrones <laughs> or is that like too close to home and so they're they have they need like escapist things that are all just like light and fluffy sitcoms
2: i feel like it's probably all propaganda <laughs> yeah that actually could be i feel like it's all propaganda but not in a you know completely voluntary capacity where if you choose to turn on your television, you're going to be subjected to it. I mean, like it's probably piped in through speakers in people's houses, right? If we're especially if we're talking about a resource-based economy or people are exchanging, you know, services for goods or clothing or whatever. I feel like, hey, you know, you work for the state, you have this state funded house. Now you listen to this state approved message Mm. over Mm -hmm. and over and over just terra firma all day. Long live the Empire. Long live Emperor Philippa Augustus Kenecoland Kanisha Philippa Georgia, whatever the hell her name was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like
0: Mm -hmm. I mean it sounds very hunger games.
2: Yeah. The the pageantry that we saw in Terra Phila episodes where it was supposed to be Sam, it's recounting the glorious battle and unification of the empire by Philip Augustus and all this stuff. And it was wire work and rope work. And, and obviously a great deal of time needed to be put into this to develop the skill in order to perform for the emperor, no less. So there, there's uh, an industry for art, but I think it's all propaganda. I don't see anybody you know, rising up and creating a beautiful piece of art or a song or a poem or, you know, a speech out of out of a need to rebel in the way that we, some of our great art has come forth in our society, right? Some of the best things mm. to exist come from a place of oppression, come from a place of mm-hmm. subjugation, uh, objectification of nothing else. Um, and I feel like, any great art that ought to exist in the Terran Empire is quickly squashed.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's all just like state commissioned operas and dances and plays about the history of the ruling family. Interesting.
2: History goes to the victoires. And I doubt that anyone in the Terran Empire is going to allow any type of room for dissent, even if it's artistic and creative.
0: Mm. Well, that can be some of the most dangerous
2: Right.
1: I do just wonder, though, if there is, you know, so there was obviously mirror Shakespeare that was writing (laughs) interesting plays about vindictiveness that were, I guess, comedies. (laughs) But so then I'm like, okay, but is there a mirror Ryan
2: Reynolds? (laughs) there isn't there isn't the way i'll I'll answer that definitively no there is not a mirror ryan reynolds because mirror kennedy has killed him (laughs) (laughs) i have done the empire a service and prevented van wilder from being a thing you're welcome
1: (laughs) Uh, also like on the other hand being in the mirror universe you wouldn't be have to deal with like the disappointment that we have in our universe about figuring out that like
2: half of your favorite celebrities are secretly awful people.
0: <laughs> There's no secret about it.
2: It's probably the opposite, <laughs> right? Like someone finds out a celebrity did something, did something altruistic and everyone's scandalized. They're dragged out into the street and stoned within an inch of their lives. Did you just feed that stray animal? No, oh, no, absolutely not unacceptable
0: <laughs> I mean, we're assuming that people in in mirror twenty twenty one have leisure time to watch entertainment, and I'm talking average people,
1: mm-hmm. right I think they yeah, I think that they they have to have some because i i mean uh, that said, I mean, they could just all be dying super young <laughs> or or working or yeah,
0: like barely resting when they're not working. I think what we see. at at least in media of these kinds of societies, is that entertainment and leisure is for the upper crust. The rich. Yeah. For the privileged. For sure. For the the high status.
1: Yeah, or like, you know, there might be, if we're talking about like a propaganda system, you might have like, you know, you'll have a a cheap mass display or like mass delivery system like radio or, Mm -hmm. you know, broadcast TV, but it wouldn't be – like, you wouldn't have the selection of shows, even if they put in better production values to, you know, get people to buy the propaganda more. It wouldn't be, like, stream whatever you feel like on Netflix. Like, just sit, at, sit and zone out while you watch The Real Housewives of the Terran Empire.
0: Right. I'm thinking back to, like, 1984 and The Hunger Games. Like, I think mm-hmm. even in the the film adaptation, I don't remember if it's in the novels, that... You know, the they talk about the people in District 13 working all the time and nobody has time to, to watch television or whatever they call the equivalent of it, but they're required to watch the Hunger Games mm-hmm. because it is propaganda.
2: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. There's probably three channels in the Terran universe. There's the news, there's children's quote unquote programming, more like indoctrination. And then there's the quote unquote fluff. Which is like, hey, look at what your labor has provided for the emperor. Look out rich the lifestyles of the rich and terrible, you know, where you get to see (laughs) all the cool things that your, you know, involuntary labor has produced for the state, but you don't have access to it kind of thing. Like and they spin it so in like some weird Scientology way that look by your hard labor. You can contribute to the expansion of the empire and how opulent it is, and people want to be. You know what I mean? Like, oh God. Just,
0: and I, I think, I, I don't know where I'm getting this idea. Maybe just from other media. But <laughs> in the same way that there, there might be, you know, an exceptional person academically gets pulled out and gets special privileges. Maybe exceptional people artistically mm-hmm. have get the same sort of thing and maybe get a little extra leeway. And I mean, at least in my Shakespeare classes, I remember being told that, you know, some of these histories were commissioned, and some of the jokes at the expense of the royal family went over the royal family's heads because they were blue-collar jokes, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, is that present, or in such an extreme case as the Terran universe, would they not even attempt it?
1: Yeah, like, I think, you know, there might be a kid on a garbage pile somewhere in the Terran Empire that, you know, is part of a, you know, community that like someone has a guitar and this kid (laughs) is like going around to door like the wealthy people's doors and trying to like survive by begging and like busking Mm -hmm. and gets recognized and elevated. Or you could also have like kids that are have some like musical talent who are who are like kids from a wealthier family and are given that education by the virtue of of being part of that wealthier family and then able to succeed in that way but certainly we have seen in in other societies that have you know rolled out a lot of like propaganda related art that there have been you know music schools and and people are like encouraged to go to these like operas and dance performances and things like that but it's like. Because there is a degree of, in order to keep a population subjugated, there ha- they, there still has to be some kind of idea that keeps them motivated to, to like, get up and go to the mine the next day, or get up and serve in the army the next day. And we see in the Temple of Terran Empire, there's definitely the idea that one day you're going to be in the right place at the right time and you can seize power, but for the people that are like way farther from the center of power what is the idea there that is is keeping people from just like you know being utter utterly defeated what i really want to know is like
0: does promotion by murder work everywhere yeah probably is that just
1: on a starship (laughs) probably i do think that probably in some other fields and stuff and that it wouldn't be able to happen that fast because like you need to build up your alliances over time. <laughs> and if you're just, you murder someone, then you're just going to get murdered right away. Unless you've like managed to make some trades and bargains with people to
2: keep you safe for a little while. Yeah. It's probably much quicker on a starship because starships function on structure. So you don't really have time to call in favors if you're, you know, hundreds of kilometers away from where you need to be flying a at- star speed <laughs> light speed faster than light speed you know you don't have time to phone it in Call in a favor hey Unc. is it okay if i you know murk this dude you owe money to because he's acting up on my ship you know what i mean probably have to check him first and apologize later
1: we also know that they have fashion design in the mirror universe as a form of art but it could just be the slaves that like they found a, a Kelpian who's really good at at making awesome clothes for, for Giorgio.
0: Yeah, I mean artisans who were removed from their homes and mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. yep, they just like annex a new planet that has really strong arts and culture and just like basically make the people work to their talents.
2: Who knows? Hey, you're really good at a uh, at goldsmithing? Create an entire <laughs> fleet's worth of chest plate armor, but make them all different, but also uniform.
1: Make me a badass
2: crown.
0: Do we know anything right. about the Ferengi? Beyond the like individual Ferengi we know, like the ferengi as is a culture in the Mirror Universe.
2: Maybe it's run by women and they know how to mind their own business. That's why we don't hear from them. <laughs>
1: I don't think so. I think we only because like we see, you know, Zek and stuff go over. I don't remember if there's dialogue about like, oh, the Ferengi's in our universe are X or Y. Mm-hmm. It's just because we,
0: we keep talking about the economics of this and pay and housing. And it seems like that sort of thing or managing that sort of thing even would be right up the alley of the Ferengi that we are familiar with. But what what turns happened in the mirror universe on Ferenginar?
2: Maybe the f- Maybe Ferenginar is an altruistic, matriarchal society. Mm -hmm. focuses more on arts and culture and social
0: programs
2: social programs, and cultivating a society on a swamp planet. Maybe that's why they're busy. <laughs> Their planet's a swamp, and they have to figure out how to not sink into the muck. So maybe they don't deal <laughs> with anybody at all. Plus, we found out that the Ferengi essentially like bought space-capable technology. So it's not like they developed it organically like we did or, or anyone else.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a fair point.
2: So maybe they, you know, never got around to it because they were too busy trying to make sure all their structures didn't sink into the mire. And, you know, promoting and destroying gender roles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the mirror universe, is all Star Trek, just
2: Star Wars? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my. I say
1: this as a Star Wars fan.
2: Gosh.
0: (laughs) Don't add us is basically what
1: that (laughs) sentence was. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, are there any final thoughts? I feel like we've, you know, dug into some of the ideas. We would love to hear from listeners about how you think things work in a mirror universe in the in the mirror universe society. You know, are there technologies that that they need that we don't see on screen? Like we see the agonizer booth and the multidimensional transporter and the tantalus field. What other kinds of of technology might they need to preserve this structure? How does the culture work? What you know do they have time for entertainment how how do families work you know let let us know what your thoughts are are there any uh, final thoughts on from us on mirror universe times
2: um yeah i don't understand people's fascination with it if this is supposed to be <laughs> an example if i mean i get it right from a time and space kind of deal like obviously i got into it earlier but As far as people, you know, wanting to see it so much, like the mirror universe is not a good thing. Those are not good people. It's not something to aspire to. It's not something to try and emulate in any way. It's literally meant to be an example of, hey, this is how things could end up if we don't get our act together. Um, So I don't understand why people are like, yes, I love the mirror universe because it all it does is, is frighten me. Like humanity frightens me enough as it is don't understand why they got to be worse. The only thing I can really get behind in terms of the mirror universe is the costuming, (laughs) right? Like, come on, let's go. But also Taron Archer is on my list (laughs) of (laughs) of fictional problematic boyfriends because he's so fine. And all I want to do is make excuses for him. And that's not good. (laughs) That's just, it's just all the way toxic. (laughs) that's amazing Uh,
0: i'm thinking along the same lines i mean i think mirror universe episodes uh, in a vacuum if we can even say that are like fun as a viewer because you get to see your favorite actors acting in a different way you can tell that they're having fun with it like playing evil is fun when you're acting that's undeniable but the episodes themselves when you you start to analyze them are they're meant to be warnings. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we, we talk about like the fun of the mirror universe, we forget that, that the, the whole point of these is the, that we're, we could be anyway, just one bad decision from, from going down a really dark path. And that's something that, that we can keep in mind or should keep in mind really all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that what was interesting researching for this episode is just realizing that Star Trek has spent a like quite a large amount of time now in a universe that really was not more than a basic concept to start. And despite spending like quite a lot of time there, they haven't really gone that far beyond the basic concepts of how this universe works. And And maybe that's fine, because maybe the purpose is like you know, it's it's the warning, and it's I think it's about you, like you were saying, it's supposed to be fun for the viewers and fun, fun for the actors and the writers, I'm sure. But it was just really interesting to me that I was like, huh, yeah, like we've spent quite a few hours in this universe, and there's still like a lot of the basics that we don't know, and i I don't even think that Beta Canon illuminates all of that either because the we're just really like into focusing on. The the like our exact crews in their mirror form. That said, kind of fun imagining like what what the scaffolding would be holding this whole thing together.
2: It's terrifying because you (laughs) you always hope that any type of depiction of of odious things that could be would be enough for us to be like oh it'll never get that way because we're we're not that far gone and things aren't that bad. But the past. Two seasons of reality have been terrible <laughs> because because it is like if we hear it all the time, you're watching an episode of Black Mirror. Like, I don't I don't want to know what if, if this the way things are right now, the state of things as far as how we're treating ourselves, each other and our natural homegrown environment? I don't want to see it us in the Terranverse. I can't even imagine the worst parts of us. Are we the or maybe we're the Terran universe? Who really knows. I Right. Mm. Maybe,
0: maybe I should revise my statement to say that we're, you know, a one decision away from an even darker path. But I mean, I mean the the mirror episodes I think are a reminder to reevaluate these things all the time. And I for for whatever flack people gave Discovery for spending so much time in the Mirror Universe. I think it was, in my opinion, the one of the best explorations of it so far, because we really got to see our Discovery crew, especially Tilly in particular, like sort of evaluating how they could be the person in the Mirror Universe, like what, what parts of that person and what parts of our prime universe person are the same that are in both of them.
1: Mm -hmm. And also I think just the way that, I mean, you know, we've definitely talked about the, you know, whether or not we can consider Georgia redeemed and, and, you know, she's still ultimately someone who's committed genocide and is still okay with genocide in some ways, but it does show like a bit of hope in terms of like actually being able to reach people that you think might be really far gone that there's still like some way that you can connect with people and and appeal to their better natures
2: Mm. you might be able to appeal to Giorgio's better nature but she'll probably figure out some way to use it against you i don't trust her yeah
1: (laughs) you can appeal but that appeal might be denied (laughs) yeah (laughs) anyway that's about all the time we have for today where can people find you on the internet? You can find me over on Twitter at Spaltor. That's S P A L T O
2: R. And Kennedy, uh, you can find me both on Instagram and Twitter at that Mikey chick. That's at that M I K E Y C H I C K. But don't act up in my comments because I will drag you publicly before blocking you.
1: And I'm Jara, and you can find me at Jara Penguin. That's J A R R A H Penguin on Twitter. And to learn more about our show or to contact us, visit womenatwarp.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Women at Warp. You can also email us at crew at women at warp.com. And for more Roddenberry podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Thanks so much for listening.